an absolute treat the other yesterday. Um, I was going through some things. I didn't realize I had it, but I had an old chorus book. And uh, it was from Mr. Pilkington. And uh, all of them, a lot of them was in his handwriting. And uh, anyway, I'm going to pull some of them out. And I was shocked. I sang one to Laura and she didn't know it yesterday. Maybe it was so bad she didn't recognize it. Amen. <laughs> Have you ever heard that one? Uh, no, you can't get to heaven without. S-A-L-V-A-T-I-O-N. Y'all heard it? How many of y'all heard that one? Oh, y'all take, y'all just ruin all my fun. <laughs> Thought I was going to teach y'all something new. How many of you have never heard that? Well, there's more that See? don't. Then okay, that'll work. <laughs> well, we'll do it here later and uh, maybe get Miss Dong to play it too and uh, we'll sing it. I got a bunch, man. There's a bunch of old ones in there. And uh, I'm sure many of you know some of them, but maybe some of them you don't. But anyway, would you open your precious Bible to the book of Jonah tonight? And we have been just uh, going right through this book on Wednesday, and we're in chapter 4, so we've probably only got a couple more messages uh, to preach out of this whole book. I don't know, I think I've preached 12, 13 messages out of it, I'm not sure, I haven't counted. Um, And at the same time, I've been preaching a series of messages on Sunday, uh, primarily on the life of David. And so uh, we've been doing two, uh, really two uh, studies uh, as we've been preaching here the last few months. And uh, we're going to just stay here in the first three verses. I know last week I preached on ch- chapter 4, verse 1 and 2. And tonight I want to look at just verse 3. You say, Pastor, can we get everything we need to get out of verse 3? I believe so. Now, we all know the story of Jonah. We know what's taken place. Jonah had an anti missionary heart. He did not want to see the Ninevites saved, but we see even though he didn't want to see them saved, God finally got him to a place where he went to where he should have been. And we, we see a whole citywide revival in chapter 3, the latter part. It's an amazing thing. From the greatest of the people of Nineveh to the least of the people of Nineveh, the Bible says they all uh, repented. I mean, you talking about a revival. I'm talking about something that would get all of us excited. Yet, the sad thing is, the only one that didn't get revival was the preacher. Now think of that. That's an amazing thing. And then as I read chapter 4, after seeing the wonderful work of what God did in the hearts of these people, it amazes me that chapter 4, if it wasn't in the Bible, it would be hard to believe. To think that the very preacher that went to go preach the revival responded the way he responded in chapter 4. So let's look at it. Verse 1, the Bible says, but it displeased Jonah. And if it just was right there, that would be bad. But notice what the Bible says. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly. And he was very angry. Notice the, the description. Very angry. Exceedingly. People getting saved. People getting right. The whole city changing. Verse 2, and he prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? Therefore I fled before unto Tarshish, for I knew that thou art a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness, and repentest thee of the evil. Now here's what's amazing me. Now he blames the Lord in his prayer of why he did what he did. It's an amazing thing. 
Look at verse 3. Therefore now, O Lord, take, I beseech thee, my life from me. For it is better for me to die than to live. Now I want you to think of that. Now I'm going to say this. I don't know about you, but I'm sure that everyone sitting in this building tonight maybe have come to a place in their life of great discouragement, great depths of sorrow, and maybe you've uttered those words. And maybe if you've never uttered those words, maybe you've thought those things. I've heard people say, I just wish the Lord would come on back. Now, I think that's a little different than Him taking our life. But nonetheless, it is the same principle. But I want you to understand disobedience, selfishness, anger, and bitterness can be kept inside for a while. But I want you to know something. Eventually, it's going to come out. The Bible says, whatsoever he thinketh in his heart, so is he. The Bible teaches us that in the book of Proverbs. So we understand God admonishes us to keep our hearts. Jonah did not keep his heart. And sadly tonight, there are many times in our lives we do not keep our hearts. And we, we do not keep our hearts diligently as the Bible says in the book of Proverbs. Then we understand that we can get to the same place of where Jonah is. So the Bible tells us of itself that it has been written aforetime for what? For our admonition, for our learning through patience and hope of the scripture that we might have hope. So we understand that God gives his word as an example. So if someone like Jonah can get to a place where he's actually asking the Lord to take his life, that I want you to know something, there's no temptation taking you such as common to man. That means that we can get in the same place. So that's why it is so important that we guard our hearts. Now, listen to the prayer. Look at verse 3. Therefore now, O Lord, take, I beseech thee, my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. Now, he doesn't know that. And I've heard people say that. I just don't know why the Lord keeps me here. I'm no good. Well, obviously the Lord has you here for a purpose. Can I get a witness? Now, listen to this prayer of Jonah, and really, there's one word that comes to mind. It, it's pitiful. Maybe another word to come alongside of that would be pathetic. I, I mean, here is the man of God. God has put all this effort in to get him where he needs to be. He goes and preaches. A great revival takes place. He didn't want the revival to take place. Why? Because he didn't like the Ninevites. He didn't get his way. So, we see he's in a place where he's in a pathetic position. This prayer is pathetic. Listen to me. Suicide is terrible. It plagues our world. But even more so than that is even worse when we go to say, to tell God himself, you need to kill me. You need to go ahead and take me out of here. Now listen, that's, that's pretty low. He's in a very low place. Now, if God didn't want us to live, he certainly wouldn't have created us. We understand that. And we also know that if our lives are no more useful here on earth, that will be God's business. He can take us to heaven. And to presume that we know better than what God knows, to be 
quite honest, is a very pathetic position to be in, but that's where Jonah's at. Can you imagine the gall that he would say to him, I am better there than here? Jonah doesn't know that. But that's the way Jonah feels, and sometimes we feel that way, and so we must understand, we need to be careful, this is God's business. And so I want to deal with this subject tonight and just deal with this verse, verse 3. We're going to talk about life, we're going to talk about death, we're going to talk about the uh, power of God, the will of God. What, what's God, His omniscience and His control of all of these things. And uh, let's look at number one, the pitiful prayer. I mean, this is a pitiful prayer. Now, if we're not careful as we look at this prayer, by the way, our prayers can become very selfish. This was a very selfish prayer. Now, we can spend our whole time with the Lord griping about how things aren't working out. They might be tough. Life might not be what they want, we want them to be. And we might be handing him a list of things that he needs to fix or he needs to change. And if we're not careful, we will simply quit praying and just thanking him for all the blessings that he's given to us. Because I want you to know something. When we start praying self-centeredness, I want you to know something. It's just like the Pharisees. Remember the Pharisee there in Luke chapter 18? And here's what I thought about when I thought about a pitiful prayer or selfish prayer. And I thought about a prayer that was only concerned about really what he wanted. And this was all about what Jonah wanted. The, the, the Pharisee God gave us these words. He stood and prayed thus with himself. He didn't pray to God. He was basically this Pharisee, you know, got up and he stood. He, he wanted to pray and let everybody else around him know how much. But the Bible said he was praying to himself. And if we're not careful, our prayers can become pitiful as well because we are simply praying very selfishly. What about our prayers that are thanking him for our blessings? Being appreciative of, of everything that he's done. It's amazing. But Jonah's not thanking God that he, he you know, spared his life. He's not thanking God that all these people got saved. He says, no, Lord, I just need you to take me out of here. I'm better in heaven than I am here. Pitiful prayer. Can I say it was a childish prayer? Now, we've seen Jonah's selfishness through this whole book. And, you know, we all give Jonah a rough time. And, by the way, it's in God's word. We, we, again, this is for our example. But I'm going to be honest with you. I've acted just like Jonah. How many of you have ever acted just like Jonah? Boy, it's quiet tonight. Y'all want a long service. Y'all know if y'all went out of here to halfway decent, at least act like you listen. An amen here every once in a while would help. But uh, so, or an old me. How many of you ever have you, have you ever done something you know God's told you to do not to do, and you've done it, or something you've done that he, and you haven't done what He's told you to? Would you say, man? Then we've acted like Jonah, and then we've started to think a certain way, and we started to act a certain way, and what we do is we become very selfish in our actions. We become very selfish, and to be fair, I've seen a lot of selfish children. Children are very, it's very easy for a child to be selfish. And man, we, we see here, why? Because children don't really understand the danger. They don't understand the danger of playing with matches. I used to play with matches. Uh, I remember a guy in our uh, neighborhood, Johnny Ward. I was playing with a lighter one day. He was much older than me. And man, I thought he was like my hero. I, I, I liked that guy. He was an older teenage guy and I was just a little, I was playing with matches. And man, he come over there and sat down with me one day and 
took the time and says, Mark, you don't need to be playing with matches. You don't need to be playing with that lighter. You, go, you could burn something up. And I thought about that. He took the time, and he really hurt my feelings. He says, man, he was my hero, but he cared enough about me to tell me I don't, he didn't want me to get hurt. But, you know, I was playing with that. I, I, I made a ring of fire one day and thought I was having a great time jumping over top of the flame until Dad got home. Hey, man. Dad didn't think that was a great thing to be doing. I mean, he wore me out all the way to the house. I'll never forget, man. I was jumping over those flames, and I looked down, and about that time, Dad pulled in 16th down on the, on the Temple Street. I was like, man, wonder why he's all upset. And buddy, it didn't take me but a second. He's up there and on me. But why? I didn't see no. I was fun jumping over the flames. But my father understood the danger and what I was doing. And by the way, my father and Jonah's father understood the damage and the danger that Jonah was playing. So can I say, they oftentimes they don't they don't a child don't get their way, so what do they do? They throw a temper tantrum because they don't get their way. And so that's exactly what Jonah was doing. He didn't get his way, so now he doesn't want any way. We see this in the prayer. It was childish. Can I say it was careless? I want you to think about this. When we're upset or discouraged, we can say some really, really silly things. We can say some real stupid things. Excuse my language. We can say some really stupid things. And here's what's sad. We can say them really stupid to God. Now, sometimes we won't say them out loud and we won't voice them. Now, Jonah did. But many times we'll think silly, stupid things while we're hurt, discouraged, mad, anger, angry, being dealing with selfishness. We need to be careful. Here's what's amazing to me. Jonah doesn't completely understand why God has been so merciful to Nineveh. But here's what amazes me. But the lack of not understanding things is no reason to hate your life. Now, I want, I want y'all to hang in here just a minute. Because you know what? This is very relevant today. I know people that's hating life today. They're living down in the dumps because they don't understand everything that's going on in the world. Well, we're not going to understand everything on in the world. But let me just say this. That is no reason for you and I as Christians... To hate our life. Just because we can't understand something. And I'll give Jonah that. He did not completely understand. The Ninevites were wicked people. They were the enemies of God. So he had a lot of personal reasons why he didn't want to see the Ninevites. But he didn't understand. So because he didn't completely understand. He started to hate his own life. He got discouraged. He got selfish. See, think of this. First John tells us this. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not grievous. Can I say to y'all tonight, God doesn't intend that any part of his life for us should be grievous. Why? The Bible says that he came to give life, but to give it what? More abundantly. So it's not God's intentions for anything in our lives as we're living for him, his will should not be grievous. Why? Because he wants us to live not just life, but to live life abundantly. So even when life takes its negative turns, and it will, and it has, and it will continue, God promises us some things. Y'all know what he promises? Number one, his grace is sufficient. I'm thankful for that. Are you glad that his grace is sufficient? And then on top of that promise, he also promises this, 
that through my strength, through his strength, we're made perfect in what? Our weakness. Now see, we don't like weakness. We don't like being weak. But see, that's God's way. When we become weak, we understand God's strength. So I want you to understand, he's acting like a child. He's being very careless with this prayer. Then I want you to notice this. He's very candid in a presumption here. You know what? We are so good at coming to presumptions. I mean, we, we presume things all the time. I hear it all the time. I do it all the time. I say things, well, it don't matter. It's already messed up. <laughs> Y'all ever said that? Well, I'll tell you right now, it don't matter what's done. Now it's so bad. There ain't nothing can help or change that. That's not what God says. But notice what he said. He said, basically, my life, I have no business here. I would be better there than here. Now, what an assumption. Like, in other words, the gall of him that he knows better than God. It's amazing. It's like he's trying to tell God, hey, I know better than you. You just need to take me on up there. Who are we to presume that our lives are no longer useful or needed? And by the way, you say, Pastor, why are you saying that? You'd be shocked how many times I hear people say that in the ministry. And can I say this lovingly? Most of the time it comes from a sweet, dear, elderly person. You know why? Because they come to a place in life, maybe they're not able to do what they once did. Maybe they're not able to get out like they once have been able to. But I thought, my soul, could you imagine what someone could do with their life if they gave hours and hours continually to the God of heaven in prayer? Do you know some of the greatest revivals that's ever hit the planet has been because of elderly people have what? Taken their lives and the opportunity that God has given them and they have spent that time in prayer? We know that the, the great revival that hit the New Hebrides, Lewis Isle, it came down obviously because of the starting of two older ladies. One was blind and one had back problems. They couldn't do anything. They were in bed. They were in the home. And they just started to pray for revival. Could you imagine if those two older ladies would take the attitude that Jonah took and said, I tell you right now, we ought to be home. We ought to be in heaven. Better up there than here. Look what this world, look what this planet would miss. See, we need to be careful presuming that our lives are better up there than here. God, that's his business. So we understand the Bible teaches us this. In 1 Samuel chapter 2, the Bible says this, The Lord killeth and maketh alive. He bringeth down to the grave and bringeth up. That's his business. That's his business. That's something we should not be trifling with. We need to understand. And Jonah's there. He's so discouraged. He's been so selfish. He's so displeased. He prays this pitiful prayer. But I want you to notice something else that I think that illuminates or brings out here to emphasize. We must emphasize. For him to pray like that, he had to be pondering like that. I want to talk about pondering a minute. When I think of the word ponder, I think of the Christmas story. Mary took all these things and pondered them in her heart. That's a very interesting statement. But that basically means you're meditating on something. I mean, you're really thinking about it. So, med and let me just say this on the flip side of that. I believe meditation seems to be a lost art today. I mean, do y'all remember, and I know this is a little bit different, but I love to see kids play make-believe. They can actually use their mind and play. You know, in other words, they're starting to use their brain. We're in such a society now where, you know, it's kind of robotic. I love to see when we just sit back, stop like Mary, and ponder things in our heart. I think it's needed, but be careful how you ponder. Now, y'all stay with me. 
Be careful how you ponder because you do understand you can ponder the wrong way. And obviously Jonah's come right out of his mouth. He's pondering the wrong way. Remember what the book of Jeremiah and the prophet Jeremiah teaches us. Our heart is what? Desperately wicked. Desperately wicked. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Here it is. Who can know it? So here's what that means. That means that if you sit and you ponder on things without the Lord and you allow yourself and you let your wicked heart, it is amazing what it will make and change and make you think. Somebody say amen. Why? The heart's deceitfully wicked. Jonah's heart was in no condition to be meditating and pondering in this way. And by the way, that's a great lesson for all of us. His initial disobedience, the momentum in his life was negative. So you know what was going on? Everything around him in his mind. Here's what's amazing. He could be sitting in a revival and it was still bad. Jonah? Yeah, Jonah. But you know what? Let me bring that down home just a little bit closer. I've been in a service before and things have been going great and it's a wonderful it's a wonderful spirit, but you know who's got the problem? Me. And guess what? There's blessings right in front of me, but I've been pondering wrong, Brother Don, and I've been negative in my life about everything else and so everything in front of me is negative too. Can I get an old me or something? For our mind is an amazing thing. And by the way, the Bible says, whatsoever a man thinketh in his heart. And the Bible says our heart's deceitful above all things. Desperately wicked, who can know it? In other words, we can do things we never dream. We can't even explain things at times in our lives because our heart's so wicked. And so Jonah just comes right out. And boy, he starts pondering on all these negative things. So can I give you a little bit of a prescription? Listen to what Paul tells us, and I'm going to be honest with you. Laura and I, we deal with this verse, and we need it. I'm not saying we're pros at it. We're certainly not experts, but we try to go here many times. You have to train your thoughts. There is a prescription that you take, and God's given it to us in Philippians chapter 4. Notice what the Bible says. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, notice this, think on these things. I'm going to be honest with y'all. Jonah would never sit there and be so negative and asking God to take his life if he'd have been sitting just thinking on things that were lovely. And by the way, we wouldn't be getting all negative either if we wouldn't be sitting there thinking about pondering on things that we ain't got no business pondering about. We ought to keep it within the prescription of this verse. If it's not lovely, don't dwell on it. If it's not of a good report, don't sit and dwell on it. If it's not of something of true praise, then don't dwell on it. Certainly don't get involved in it. 
So we understand it's, it's, he's got a perverted pondering here. And by the way, I've seen this in my own life. I've seen it in the many lives of other Christians. How can someone miss all the blessings and be sitting right there visibly looking at them? Because we're pondering in a perverted way. We're pondering in a negative way and our heart is desperately wicked, deceitful above all things. It turns us into something that we can't even explain. You say, Pastor, you preach to somebody else? No, I'm preaching to me. I've been there. See, Jonah had become so negative about life that his thoughts were only negative. <laughs> so what's a tragedy when a man loses his love for his life that God's intended for him? See, negative pondering will make everything negative. Can I say... This pondering. What are some things that could have helped Jonah? Number one, can help us to talk about death a minute. Look, the schedule of our life is unknown. The day of our death is unknown. It was, the day, it was unknown for Jonah. But can I say, most of us would love, I believe all of us would love to live a long life. I'd love to live a long life as long as I continue to walk. Amen. Move around. I think that for me, and I'm, I'm asking the Lord, Lord, please let me go home. If I, if I have to be bedridden for a long period of time, I, 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 I feel sorry for whoever's around me. Y'all better pray too. Amen. Which my son's done told me, praise God. I, I hope Kaylee will still be around. Clay's done told me that he'll put me in the best nursing home that money can buy. Amen. So I ain't got no worries there. And I believe him. I believe it. And so uh, the schedule of life is unknown. And here, here, here's the thought. To live a long and full life, we'd all like to have one. But look, it's not guaranteed. But here's the thing. None of us know the day that we're going to die. Now, can I make some bold statements here? A person does not die because he gets old. A person doesn't die because he's sick or he suffers. My dear grandma... I thought about this. My aunt Jean, my aunt and my grandma, they were extremely close. My great aunt, my grandma, they were close. They talked on the phone every night. Man, I mean, they were close. Well, when my aunt Jean got sick, she was in the hospital, she died. And my grandma took blame for that because she felt like it was her fault because she let a doctor give them a certain kind of medicine. And, and by the way, the doctor told my mother later that it was that medicine that took my aunt's life. But I'm going to say, no, not really. You say, well, Pastor Mark, what kind of Bible do you have for that? Well, the Bible says it's appointed to man wants to die. Here's the key. The key is this is God's business. According to the Bible, we have a death date. And that's up to God. Exactly the way God. I've thought about not death, but think about Fanny Crosby. She even made the statement. She said, I would have probably never wrote all those hymns if I'd have not been blind. So, well, that was a mistake for someone else. Oh, I know, but listen to me. God's will is perfect, whether we understand it or not. And God's day of death for us is in his hands. You don't need to be trifling yourself with it. I know some people, man, they're scared to death. And by the way, I'm not being ugly. I'm not being ugly. I'm just being honest. That's why it shocked me so greatly during the COVID pandemic why there was a fear across our land. 
I'm going to be honest. I, I, I get it, I'm, and I try to be careful. I, I'm, and again, if anything like that hits again, I will be thoughtful of everybody, but I can promise you this. I ain't shutting these doors no more. Now, whether you come or not, that's up to you, but I ain't shutting them no more. But I'm going to say this. This is what amazed me. That is God's business. Now, you say, well, Pastor Mark, you know there's things you can do to shorten your life. Yes, I believe all that. But the truth is, if there is a day appointed for me to die, it's going to be that day. And God knows it. So you say, Pastor, why is that so important? Because that frees me from worrying about it. I can just live. I want you to think about that. Think how free that is. I know there are some people, they are so scared to live. But look, the schedule of life is unknown. But here's what's a blessing. We do not know when it is, but one day there will be a death certificate for Mark Brandon. I don't know that day. And by the way, that's a gift. I'm glad that I don't know. Could you imagine if God told me today, Mark, you're going to die tomorrow night at 8 o'clock. Could you imagine what I'm going to live like between now and tomorrow night? That, listen to me, church. Faith is a gift. There's some things it's best we don't know. But let me just say this. It also helps us. We don't need to be taking ourselves out here earlier than what God wants us to. That's in his hands. That's his timing. Leave that up to him. Amen. By the way, teen suicide today is at an all-time high in America. It's kind of say the sacredness of life is unmistakable. John chapter 1 tells us that all things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life. I love uh, Revelation chapter 4 verse 12. The Bible says that we have been created for his pleasure. Life is sacred. That's why we defend uh, not aborting children. We defend not aborting a child. Why? Because we believe life is sacred in the womb. We believe the Bible teaches that God knows us in the womb. We are a human being in the womb. Why? Because life is sacred. But do you know that we live in a day now? Really, it's not really sacred to our society or to our culture. They don't think anything about it anymore. Can you imagine all the lives that are being taken? I mean, now we, we doctor up murdering someone by just saying, hey, that's a choice. Listen to me. That is life. And life is sacred. And that's why it's very careful that we need to understand that God has put a huge value in life and depends on, on us to protect the sanctity of it. Can I say the world today puts so little value in life? But this teaches us No, if God, God created him, God created Jonah and us for his pleasure. He has a purpose for us. He had a purpose for Jonah. Can I say not only that, the stewardship of life is unconditional. I want you to think about this. God's created us. The Bible tells us in Revelation chapter 4, for what? His pleasure and for his glory. Now, I understand the glory part. I'm sometimes amazed that he's created us for his pleasure because I'm afraid we're not pleasing him a lot. (laughs) But he said it. I I didn't say it. He said it. He said, I have created all things for my pleasure. So my question is, there should be a goal in my life that I should at least live to please him. And so that's why we ought to want to steward 
Our life. By the way, how many of you are saved? Would you say amen? Do you know that your body's not yours? The Bible says you've been bought with a price. That's why we ought to steward it. It belongs to God. You believe that. But see, we live in a day now, if it belongs to somebody else, look, I'm just, I'm just being honest, in this culture, in this time, things have changed. When I was a child, I was trained a certain way. You didn't just go into people's house, and that was somebody else's. Amen? But if it was mine, it's a different story. But we live in a different day today. We live in a different day. And by the way, it's not just because somebody going to the house. It all, you know, it's like someone borrows something from somebody. And like, oh, no big deal. We don't take care of it. And then we just, we destroy it. But look, if it's not, this body's not mine. I want you to think about that. If it's not mine, then I ought to steward it the way whose it is. That's how important my life is. To God, look, whether I'm rich or whether I'm poor or whether I'm healthy or whether I'm sick or whether I'm married or I'm unmarried, whether I'm welcomed or forsaken or if I'm appreciated or not appreciated. Let me say, we must all steward our lives wisely. None of us have an excuse to end life or live it for anything or anyone other than the one who gave it to us. That simplifies life, doesn't it? I want to just give you this. The significance of life is unbelievable. (coughs) I know God said that he wanted him to go and cry against this great city, Nineveh. I just wonder. I don't know. You think like this? I wonder if he wanted that revival to spread. I don't know. I've heard through history. A preacher goes somewhere. Man, a great revival. Man, then he moved. And God blesses in different places. I just want. But here's what's amazing. After this great move of God, look where Jonah goes. And how he responds. And the position that he's in. Look. Here's here's what I'm trying to say. Sure. Life takes its negative turns and sometimes seems very harsh, unfair, hard. But I want you to know something. Your life is never insignificant. Ever. Do you know that's one of the greatest tools I believe the devil uses in a young person's life and tries to tell them, well, there's no, you know, you're insignificant, you're not important. I've heard that so many times. I've heard young people say, well, nobody loves me anyway. No, somebody does love you. Your life is important. It's vital. But you know, when we get in this position, Jonah, here's where Jonah was. He said, my life is just insane. And he just seen salvation of people. Can I encourage you tonight, no matter how rough it gets, no matter how, what mistakes you've made, I want you to know something. Your life is significant. God has a reason for everything that's come your way in life. And if you will let him, he'll show you. He will. I don't understand a lot of things in my life. And I still don't understand a lot of things. But I know by faith, I'm trusting him. He'll show us. Can I say, well, you know know what? Because our God is in the business of using insignificant things. 
This helps me, and I'm going to close. You know, he used an insignificant rod in the book of Exodus. I mean, who thinks of a rod, piece of piece of wood? God used it. And by the way, he used it mightily on several occasions. Can I say that we've been studying through the life of David? Here's amazing to me. You know, when he's a little kid, only a boy named David, only a rippling brook. Who cares about five little stones on it? I mean, we walk over rocks all the time. They're insignificant. But yet God used five, but really one, insignificant rock. You look all through the word of God. God used, I thought about his, insignificant, five little pieces of bread and fish. What's that? Very insignificant. Even the disciples said, what are these among so many? But listen to me. Here's the point. God uses insignificant things. And by the way, rocks are insignificant and loaves of bread really in that particular situation. A rod, a piece of stick, hey, a piece of wood, it is insignificant. But listen to me. In the hands and in the use of God, it becomes very significant. And if he makes rocks significant and a piece of wood significant, listen to me, you are very much significant. Can somebody say amen? amen. And before we go thinking like Jonah and getting all in the negative down in the molly grub patch and think the best thing for me is to take my life or Lord, you need to take my life or before we get so negative and we get so discouraged, we need to look up and we need to realize, no, God, I might have hit a negative turn here. I might have hit a bad place here. And, but I want you to know, I know that you're going to do all things well. And look, where I can't see a way, you always make a way. Did I mention that I love him? How I worship and adore him when I can't see no way he makes a way. That's a testimony. You know what? Because we, we are so good at saying, oh, that ain't going to happen. Oh, that ain't going to work. That ain't going to happen. I don't see how it's going to happen. Oh, that's gonna, that's, but look, where we can't see a way, he can't. So let's quit looking our way and look to him. Amen? Amen. We'll close on that. Let's stand to our feet. Church, can I say to you as your friend, as a fellow Christian, as a fellow brother, I'm not even going to say this is your pastor today. Guard your heart. It can think and do things that you can't even explain. It will say things that should never be said. Guard your heart. Amen. Diligently guard your heart. Proverbs chapter 4. We learned that from a lesson straight from a man of God. Jonah was a man. He was a prophet, a preacher, a great man. But yet, he didn't guard it. 
Let's guard our hearts. Amen. Let's bow our heads and ask the Lord to help us tonight. If there's anyone here tonight and you do not know Jesus Christ as your Savior, I want you to know He loves you. He'll save you tonight. But oh, if you're a Christian, guard your heart. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your grace. Lord, as we read the life of Jonah, Lord, we see you. You gave life. You take life. And Lord, we can trust you with it. And then, Lord, that takes away fear. We can just live. And so, Lord, I pray you'll help us to live, but help us to live by faith. And, Lord, we'll thank you for what you do. For we ask it all in Jesus' precious name. Amen. And all God's people said. Look around, church. we got some folks visiting with us tonight. Make sure you let them know how good it is to see them. God bless you. Have a great night. We'll see you Sunday. Remember.